Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. So, very exciting to be here and uh, really feel like God wants to speak to you today uh, in a very special way. Last week was awesome, celebrating the 100 years. Who was here? Who enjoyed it? Wasn't it amazing? If you haven't yet watched the YouTube video version of it, make sure you do because it's our history. It's our 100 years. It's, it's our... Uh, record of, of what God has done over the last hundred years and it's just the beginning of what He wants to do. And so I'm excited. I want to kind of continue on uh, talking a little bit about uh, what we shared last week and just in the sense of the essence of what I believe God's saying to us about how we position ourselves for the future. You know, I was thinking to myself, you know, we talked about the vision last week. We've talked about it over a number of years. We want to Plant 200 campuses. Now, why would we have a vision like that? You know, our vision is to see 100,000 people find Jesus in the next 20 or so years. Why would we have a vision like that? You know, see 10,000 leaders raised. Why would we have a vision like that? Well, really quite simply, is that God put inside of us a principle that if you plug into it in your life and you understand it and you grasp it and not just kind of have an intellectual grasp but a full, deep-hearted grasp of this principle, it will make you a person that's hard to knock off course. It'll make you resilient. It'll make you full of faith and full of perseverance. You know, the Bible says by faith, and perseverance, we inherit the promises. And so often we focus on faith or we think about resilience, but it's the powerful combination of the two that creates the supernatural outcomes. Remember Peter, Peter had great faith. He walked on water for a minute and a half. He had no perseverance. So his moment of faith was spectacular, but it didn't produce anything. Nothing great or long lasting. We need to have Faith, but we also need to have perseverance. If we're gonna be persevering kinds of people, we gotta have resilience. And in order to be resilient, we just can't go against the flow. You know, most of us aren't born being resilient. You know, uh, we have to develop that resilience. And that resilience isn't just overcoming troubles and overcoming problems and pushing through. It's actually being possessed by a principle that God has put right through the Word and right through life. And when you grasp this principle, it changes you. It makes you resilient. It makes you a persevering kind of person. It makes you never give up. It makes you understand that the words you say today matter tomorrow and the days after. It makes you realise that what you do today to pour into your children is not a waste of time when you see no result. It's a bit, it tells you that when you give yourself to others and when you go after a dream, it's not just what you see in the first week of the first month that matters. And in order for you to have that kind of resilience and faith, you need to possess this principle. It's probably 2006 and Dr. Miles Monroe was standing on this stage and it was an afternoon session of an influencers conference and he made this statement, which I've heard in other places, but for some reason that 
particular sermon riveted me and what he said got into my spirit. He said, God, when God made everything, God put a seed inside everything. And when he said that, my mind just went, God put a seed inside everything because the seed reflects God and the mechanism that He's provided for you and I to move forward. The principle that God wants us to get hold of is the principle of multiplication and how that's been wired into us from our body, our soul, and our spirit that God has put into us His theology and it shows up even in our biology. God's theology in our biology. Think about it, God could have brought to us, well, could have brought us to the world any way He wanted. He could have got us delivered by a stork, as we were told when we were kids. He could have got us delivered by Amazon if He wanted to do it that way. God could have chosen to deliver us to our parents any way that He chose. And yet God chose this principle of multiplication to be the delivery mechanism for every child. And every life that is alive today, it can only stay alive because of the principle of multiplication. Think about it, we all look the same the day we were conceived. If you looked at a, a child that's been conceived on day one, all you see is one cell. We're all the same at the beginning, one cell. And then that one cell becomes two and then becomes four and becomes eight and then eight becomes 16 and 16, 32 and 32, 64 and 128 and 256 and 512 and 1,024 and 2,048 and 4,096 and whatever else. 8,192, 16,384. Anyone else? And it goes on and on and on till we are billions of cells. Every two minutes, your body produces something like 200,000 blood cells. If your body was to stop multiplying right now, you would fall off your seat within a second or two. Your body is a marvellous testament to God's eternal principle of multiplication. God could have brought you any which way. He could have said, this is how I made you. There is no multiplication required. This is how you are. But God made you by the process of multiplication, by the cells multiplying into a human baby, into a, into a, a, a baby. And, and, and it's a miracle to watch. And God embedded in your DNA and my DNA this very powerful principle that the whole world survives on. Genesis 8, God says, well, the earth remains, there'll be seed time and harvest. What was He saying? He was saying multiplication is how the world is going to support itself. It's how the world's gonna get ahead. It's why we invest money to get more money back. It's why farmers put seeds in the ground to get more seeds back or more <laughs> crops back. It's why when you cut open an apple, you see more than one seed. You see many seeds and those many seeds go on to produce exponentially more apples if those become trees. Everything on the planet has been created with a seed in it that's, uh, and, and it has been created to multiply. And when you get this principle, it's what makes you resilient. You know, people say uh, about me, Ashley, you're very resilient. Now, I didn't start off resilient. I'm not sure anyone really does. 
I was good at sport. I was pretty good at school. Things came easily to me. I wasn't resilient at all. But God, when I got hold of this principle of multiplication, that when God is on me, that my five loaves become a feast for 20,000 people. And when God tells me to, to, to cast my net on the other side, I'm gonna catch a massive load of fish and I'm gonna catch more than I went after. When I understood the power of multiplication, that it's a guarantee, it's a certainty, it's part of God's theology, wired into your biology. Think about it, the world constantly spawns itself over and over again every time the wind blows. God even created the wind so that the seeds would be dislodged from the trees and go and plant themselves and grow again. Right across the world, things will turn up in countries that belong in another country because the wind carried it there, because the wind blew these seeds somewhere. And think about it, eight billion people are supported by this principle that could support 500 people the power of multiplication. It creates resilience, determination, power inside of your life. And just recently, Dr. Mike Maiden was with us in Atlanta for about three weeks ago. And I was gonna share this last Sunday, uh, but we ran out of time. But I wanna share just a brief part of a word that he shared over me, but really it was about the church. So I want you to hear what he says about this resilience and why it matters and how it impacts the future. Have a listen. Thank you for my dear friends and your friends, Pastor Ashley and Jane. What an uh, incredible life they've lived already. What a great story from their marriage, from um, every twist and turn. And Lord, you just keep doing great things. And uh, I, <laughs> I heard the Lord laughing, Pastor Ashley. And it was, it was like you were talking to someone. I think this would be seven years ago. And you you were talking about like the next 18 months. We're going to do all this in the next year. Lord was laughing because it was going to take 10 years. But he still was going to do it. And the, the genius of your mind, or the, 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 the way your mind, your mind just never stops working. It is like this um, factory of creativity and, and contemplation and wisdom and it's so interesting that God often shows you things you know look at almost a decade ahead of time he showed you things what, what they're going to be what's going to happen in the church kind of the next flow the next emphasis of the kingdom and you've been like I said before really an apostolic a strategic apostolic leader and thinker and just so important. And what God's in this season, so there's been kind of, you know, I think we could say this, a violently abrupt change in the kingdom. Okay, a change of the guard, a bunch of stuff. I'll blink our eyes and a bunch of our friends have been hit hard. And through it all, it's, it's like the dust, dust is settling and God's elevating influencers as a model. He's elevating the integrity of it. He's elevating the strategic aspects of it, which are really um, discernible. I mean, they're, they're transparently visible. And so even when it comes to like global influence, this, the movement that you and your wife are leading 
is going to another level. Yeah. And I saw, I saw it, it, was, it was two groups of people. people. They came from, came from kind of two known commodities. Both these areas were struggling. They were asking for wisdom, guidance, and insight, or just care and love. And, but it ended up being, over like a three-year period of time, a, an interesting dynamic where people start shifting over to you. So even in this season, there's, there's a shift is definitely happening. And, you know, God, it is, you know, the Lord said about himself, you know, I am the judge. I sit one down, I stand one up. And there's something standing up, not just in Australia, but in Atlanta, in the world, God's standing up this, this movement for a, just a, just a beautiful season. So these next five years, every year that escalates, it's just increasing. And then there'll be that, like that one year I saw where things doubled, I think financially, numerically. So there'll, be, there'll be a measurement. We say, hey, look what's happened. That, that's, that's, I think, only less than three years away. So all those things are happening. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, the, 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 the consistent way that you, so some people, Pastor Ashley, give up when something goes wrong. Some people give up when a couple of things go wrong. So you have this temperament of not giving up when a hundred things are wrong. And you're like, oh, so good, we're going to find a way. Just the way you, the resilience in your heart is such a testimony of your character and the work of the Spirit. And But it allows you to survive because, let's face it, the devil's thrown everything at you to try to chase you in this region. And what should have happened with ease hasn't. It's been, and it's part of it is just this demonic resistance. But here we are break point, the breaking point. Here, this is the harvest point. This is the, you know, 10 years, 10 is the number of testing in the Bible. The, 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 the test is over. How cool is that? <clears throat> but it's a funny thing, you know, I don't find it hard to be resilient. And it's not because I am resilient, it's because this principle of the certainty of multiplication has been tattooed in my DNA, my spirit and my thinking. I find myself, whenever people tell me things can't be done, the first response, and I teach all our staff this, I don't believe you. It's the first response to everything that anyone ever says that's impossible. I'm like, I don't believe you. Why? Because I serve a God that said to me, there's a seed in everything and that multiplication is part of His purpose and plan. You know, and, and that's why I never get discouraged when I'm uncomfortable. So many people are looking for comfort. Whereas if you're gonna multiply, you've got to learn to deal with being uncomfortable. Some of us are uncomfortable right now and it's because God is preparing you for a multiplication of outcomes in your life. I wanna show you a picture of my beautiful daughter-in-law, Lauren. This is Lauren with Zara. And as you can see, Lauren is about to have another baby. This will be our fourth grandchild from Mark and Lauren. Now I said to Mark when he told us that he was pregnant, I said, 
The name Evans and three go together, but the name Evans and four is a new phenomenon. I said, wow, Mark, my goodness, what are you doing? And you know what? What I watch when I, watch, when I see Lauren, they live in now in Tennessee, and when I see her, seen her the last few weeks or last weekend or weekend before, she's always adjusting something. Somehow this baby inside is making her uncomfortable because that is what you get when you multiply. And what we try to do is get rid of our discomfort. We have got an allergic reaction to being uncomfortable. Well, if I'm uncomfortable, God mustn't be in it. Well, God may be right in the middle of it, about to birth something in your life and you are trying to avoid the uncomfortability of your circumstances instead of embracing discomfort as a sign that you might be about to give birth to something great and wonderful. And so often what we do is we're, we're, you know, every woman that, I won't ask you to put your hands up, I already know the answer. Every woman that gives birth to a child gets uncomfortable. It happens. (laughs) It happens, right? Because it's a sign that multiplication is about to happen. So why you can be resilient is when you understand how God's stuff works. We have been told so many times for different people, you know, that when God's working, everything goes well. Well, tell that to Noah, who was building for 100 years while everyone was scorning him. Was he in the will of God or out of the will of God? He was in the will of God. Here's the deal. Being uncomfortable is a sign that you're producing. When farmers are hoping for rain, they're waiting, will it come, will it come? It's all part of the process of multiplying. And so God has put it in us and and when we have it in us, we become resilient, we become impervious. We become able to withstand the greatest onslaughts, the greatest negativities. You know, I remember reading a scripture in Zechariah 4 many, many years ago that gave me, as a, probably as a 27, 28 year old, that gave me great comfort. It says this, it says, uh, what is this mountain before you, O Zerubbabel? I'm gonna make it a plain. And he says, the people will come out with shouts of grace be to it, grace be to it at the laying of the capstone. And God said to me, He said, listen, The journey of a leader is always lonely because you are five years ahead. You are 10 years ahead. And the people will go through, different people will go through seasons of, whoo, this is great. Oh, you're an idiot. Whoo, this is great. You're an idiot. And then only at the laying of the capstone, at the final end, they go, what a hero. What a seriously a genius. But all the process up to that, and so I said, and God showed me that when I was 27, that has guarded my heart, made me resilient. I don't expect anybody to applaud to the laying of the capstone. And those that do, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. Why? Because if you don't understand the power of multiplication, you will give up, you will quit. But God wants you to be filled with faith. He wants to impart a spirit of multiplication in you. Realise you're a child of God. He wants to take your five loaves and two fish. He wants to convert it into a feast for a multitude. He wants to take what you have and make it awesome. And I'm gonna go to the Word of God to show you because the first command God ever gives, if you can turn my fold back up a bit, please. Uh, My voice is going. Um, 
The first command God ever gave to Adam and Eve was in chapter one of Genesis in verse 28, and it says this, and God blessed them and said to them, everybody say, be fruitful and multiply. So now God speaks into their ignorance. Adam and Eve were ignorant to this idea. They had never seen it before. They didn't understand. They didn't have children at that point either. They had no idea of the power of multiplication. So God speaks into their ignorance. Maybe you're here today and you don't have any concept of how this works. Can I say to you, one of the best things you'll ever do is understand, study and ask questions so you understand God's potent blueprint for multiplication in your life. Don't limit yourself to where you're at because God loves to take young things, old things, in the middle things, to use them to multiply. God wants to give it to you. It doesn't matter whether you're 80. God wants to multiply in your life. Whether you're 60 or 40 or 20, it's not a race for the young, it's the race for everyone. Why would you think about quitting when you've got one third of your life to go? So verse chapter, tw- chapter one, verse 28 says, God blessed them and said, be fruit, multiply Then in chapter nine of Genesis, the flood has come and Noah now looks outside the boat and it's just devastation. There's nothing, nothing remains. And God comes to Noah and his sons and he says to them in verse one of chapter nine, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. It's the second command God gives in the Old Testament. The third command comes just a few verses later in verse eight. It says, then God said to Noah and his sons with him, be fruitful and multiply. It was into the devastation of the world that he lived in. So here's my word to you. If you've come out of a divorce, if you've come out of a business devastation, if you've come out of a church hurt, if you've come out of a sickness, if you've come out of something that hasn't been great in your life, understand God wants to speak afresh into your life like He did to Noah. And He wants to say, be fruitful and multiply because I have blessed you. These three commands are at the fabric of everything God wants you to grasp because when you grasp it, you are never too late because the power of multiplication is that you can start late and catch up. It's not the life of addition, it's the life of multiplication. Oh, it gives such hope. Whether you came into the Kingdom at 50 or whether you came at 15, you've got this ability to multiply. And God wants you to know it's His command, it's His biology, theology that He's put inside of every one of us. You see it every day. We live, we are a marvel of multiplication. God loves it so much that the universe is constantly expanding. Why is the universe constantly expanding? God just can't help Himself. He's a God of multiplication. Why is it on the day of Acts, the inauguration of the church, what happened was this seed that had been, that had been sown amongst a few people becomes now 3,000 in one day, a multiplication. And so God starts in the Old Testament, then He finishes you know, those statements with Jesus, telling them, go into all the earth and make disciples of all nations. What's He saying? This is not meant to stay here, it's meant to be multiplied. And the power of multiplication is what seems impossible now is not impossible when you add multiplication. That's how investments work. That's why the insurance guys are trying to sell you life plans. 
Look, you put in this much and look, by the time you hit 65, it's gonna hit this much. That's what they tell you. That's how they sell it to you. The power of multiplication, the power of compound interest. It's the same kind of idea. God wants you to understand that. That's why we're the happiest. You know, when Jesus said, go into all the world and tell everybody about me, we're living in days that are challenging, days where there's pressure, days when political uh, life is trying to pressure Christianity. You better believe in the power of multiplication if you wanna survive the seasons. If you wanna go through the season with power and resilience. That's why we're the happiest when we lead people to Jesus. An opportunity just three weeks ago to lead someone to Christ, personally, by myself. It was just another joy again and again and again. That's why God embedded joy into the multiplication process. Why is it when we have a baby, a woman goes through all this agony when she screams at the doctor, screams at her husband, says, I'm going home, I've had enough. And as soon as the baby's got here, she's forgotten everything. (laughs) The joy replaces the pain in a second. You ask a mother, I've asked my daughter-in-laws, I've got six grandkids now, I asked them, so would you do it again? Literally half an hour afterwards, I just wanna know. Was it good enough to go again? I say it a lot better than that. I'm subtle. And so I, I'm sophisticated. So I say it in a way and they, oh yeah, I can't even remember it. Can't remember the pain. Right now, they'll tell long stories later on when they get older because that's part of you know, what you do. But the point is, the moment after that baby's born, every bit of pain has been forgotten because the power of multiplication produces joy that is unspeakable. And when you get it in your spirit, that's what makes you resilient because I know I might be behind, but I, the power of multiplication is gonna shoot me to the front. It's gonna get me from, a, uh, 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 from, from being behind the pack to in front of the pack. Have you ever watched the cycling? The Tour de France and the, or even say the Olympic Games and the Kieran and how they rocket to the front. That's how God says, I want you to live with an expectation that I'm on you and I'm with you and I'm in you and I've empowered you in your biology is my theology. Your very DNA cries out, you were born to multiply. Your very DNA cries out, you were born with a seed that produces over and over and over again in every area of life. And as you read through the Word of God, what you realise is mankind is always gets it wrong. In our nature, our fallen nature, our lack of faith nature, what we're looking for is safety. We're always looking to be safe. Why is it as people get older, they do more safe things? I think back now to what I used to do even when I used to go to the Royal Show here. And I used to go on rides and I think, that was just stupid. Why did I go on those rides? But when you're young, you don't think safe. You think expansion. And one of the signs that you're getting old in your head is how much you shrink. I can talk like that. I'm an elder now. I've got six grandkids. I'm talking to the young people of the church and the older people as one of you a young mind with an aging body. But let me tell you something, I am not gonna shrink. 
I mean, I want to shrink in certain spots. <laughs> but I'm never going to shrink in here. It's always going to be getting better, bigger, stronger, more intelligent. My greatest ability is teachability. My second greatest ability is stickability. It's really interesting when you read the Gospels and you read Matthew 25 and He gave out 10 talents to one, five to another and one to another. God is harsh on people that don't multiply their talents. Because God is such a God of multiplication. I'm gonna show you through the Old Testament just real quickly. But in the parable of talents, having what you were given whole at the end doesn't cut the mustard when it comes to God. He expects you to multiply because He's a God of multiplication. Let me prove it to you. Here, verse chapter one, chapter Genesis 1, Genesis 9, be fruitful and multiply, the three commands. Then we move to Genesis chapter 11 and we hear the story that I was told growing up as a kid that was only told half of the story. And the story is a story of Babel, the Tower of Babel or the Tower of Babel, depending on where you come from. And the Tower of Babel story in Genesis 11 is the beginning of mankind's struggle against God's desire for multiplication and yet man's desire to settle down. Let me read some verses to you about that. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Sheena, not to be confused with a singer. <laughs> it's not spelt the same, I know. And what did they do? They settled. Everybody say settled. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we might make a name for ourselves. Now, we get to the make a name of ourselves and I was told these people were just full of pride. That's why God came down. God didn't come down because they were full of pride. God came down because they were full of fear. How can I tell? We'll read it on. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. The lack of desire to multiply motivated them to build something as a monument to their small thinking. So what does God do? We know what God did because God comes down and confuses their language. He goes, listen, I'm so committed to you multiplying that if I have to change all of your languages so you can't talk to each other to force you out, I will do it. That's why God comes in our lives sometimes with disruptions. We think that the disruptions are the devil, so we rebuke the devil, rebuke you. No, it's not, it's not the devil, it's God trying to disrupt your settledness. I know this is not a settling message. I'm here to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Oh God, it's not me. I'm just a vessel chosen by the Lord for today. So God wants us to understand that His disruptions are sometimes the way He push starts our car and gets it going. God is disrupting our equilibrium to keep us moving forward. We don't, he doesn't want us to be a monument to the past. He wants us to be a monument to the living God. And so we have to embrace inculcate, imbibe, ingest this idea of multiplication because 
As you get older, fear says, slow down. Fear says, take it easy. So my goal is to make my body, I like what Paul says, he says, I beat my body and I make it my servant. As you get older, what I'm finding at least, is my body's becoming my master. You can't do that. You're gonna hurt your back. You can't do that, you haven't got the ticker. You can't do that, you're unfit. Well, how about mastering your body so it can keep up with your brain? So that's what I'm determined to do, right? And that's why Balfour's donuts and iced coffees as the food of champions. <laughs> Only when I visit every couple of weeks, you know, so on. I had one this morning, just in case you were wondering. I knew I was gonna preach well when I took that first drink at Farmers and Ice Coffee. When I had that first bite of that sprinkled donut, oh my goodness. It's one of those things, let me just say this, people are sometimes kind and they deliver stuff to me, and I'm like, I really appreciate it, but this is one of those things you have to do by yourself. You have to get in the car, drive on my prayer route around Adelaide and just eat that donut and have that iced coffee. There's something about it that's hard to explain. Anyway, but I'm gonna beat my body into submission so it can still keep on going, right? And it's really interesting, you know, going to see my dad this last couple of days, he's in a nursing home and part of uh, the reason he's in a nursing home is because he can't walk anymore. He falls over and so he's gotta be taken care of. But as I was talking to him, a few months ago, he was very, you know, uh, distressed and he'd fallen over and hurt himself, had been in the hospital and, and uh, he was a bit rattled. You could tell that he wasn't, you know, cognizant really very much. Whereas this time, he was very cognizant. And I could see this brain that had been so smart, was still smart. He was working out ways to beat the system in the nursing home. I said, Dad, what can I do to help you? He's, he says, the bed's terrible. I've got no money. I said, it's all your money, Dad. Yeah, but they've taken my cards. I said, Dad, do you want me to sneak you in some cash? He said, yeah. He says, but put it in a certain jacket because they don't look in that jacket. I said, okay, well, we'll do that. Then I hooked up a friend of his. I said, I'm gonna wire money to you every week and I want you to go and give my dad some cash. I want you to give it to his hands, right? And I just saw it, I saw, here's his brain completely ready to go forward, but his body can't. Makes sense. I'm inspired by those things. Weird things inspire me like that. <laughs> Why? Because I've got to do everything I can to keep on going, keep on building, keep on achieving for the Kingdom of God. This is not for me, this is for God. This is for people's sake, right? And when you have that mentality, it's easy to be resilient because you've got a vision that makes you resilient and a God's mechanism that even if you're behind, you can catch up because God's with you and God's the God of multiplication. Leviticus 26.9 says this, for I will be leaning towards you with favour, says the Lord, and regard for you, rendering you fruitful and multiplying you. And in Genesis 11, when mankind said, I'm gonna settle down. Think about how we think like that. Oh, I can't wait till my son gets married and settle down. I can't wait till I retire and settle down. The moment you start settling down is the moment you start losing your productive capacity. So be unsettled, embrace unsettledness. 
Embrace discomfort, you're about to birth something. Or maybe you just bought two smaller clothes. I don't know, whatever it is. You can fix it. My point is that God wants to put inside of you a resilience, a power, a potency. And this is the kicker that I wanna share with you today. Genesis 11, man says, I will not multiply. God says, oh yes, you will, I will make you. But then God decides to show everybody how committed He is to multiplication. And I want you to get this because if you don't get this, you won't see it. And that is, we've always heard, and we've heard it preached, and I preached it, that Abraham is the father of faith. But I don't know about you, but I'm a, I've been around the Bible a long time. I like to look between the lines. I study it regularly. I like to ask questions. And we won't go into this question today, but I like to ask questions. Why did God ask Abraham to be circumcised? It's a good question. We haven't got time for it today, but it's a very interesting discussion, I can promise you. So why does God call Abraham the father of faith? Think about it. Noah built an ark. Moses, part of the Red Sea. What did Abraham do? He just had a baby. So how is that considered to be the father of faith when there are many, many other people that were as faith-filled as him? Because I believe, well, this is what I believe. Genesis 11 shows mankind's resistance to multiplication. So God says to Himself, I can imagine God saying this, right, I'm now gonna go find the oldest, most incompetent, impotent, unable to man on the planet. The oldest man I can find and I'm gonna find the oldest woman I can find and I'm gonna find people that cannot multiply. I'm gonna find people that are past multiplying. I'm gonna find people whose factories have shut down, who have shut up shop, who are not even thinking in that direction anymore. I'm gonna find them. And when I find a man and a woman who will say, God, I want to, but I can't. I'm gonna take them and I'm gonna make them an example for thousands and thousands of years to every generation about how I think about their lives and why they shouldn't settle for less than God's best and why they shouldn't back off and why they shouldn't retreat and why they shouldn't make a, a, a treaty to go only halfway. And He chooses the oldest man, the oldest woman who can't multiply and He says, now I want you to believe me when I tell you, you will multiply. And it says, and Abraham believed God and that belief in multiplication was so strong, it was counted as righteousness. His belief in God to do the impossible, to change everything was credited to him as righteousness. And what did he have? Just a baby. Now that's a miracle, of course, I'm not decrying it, but millions of people have babies. But when you can't have a baby and you're the oldest guy on the planet and your wife's pretty, you know, past it as well. When the wrapping's not as shiny as it was when you first bought it, guess what? I'm gonna use them. And why am I gonna use them? To show to the world, no matter what age or stage of life you're in, no matter how down and out you are, no matter how behind you feel, no matter what hasn't happened in the past, no matter how barren you are, no matter how lacking fruit you have, 
I am the God of multiplication. And if you'll believe me, I will come on your business. I'll come on your family. I'll come on your marriage. I'll come on your physical life. I'll come on your business. I'll come on every part of your life and bless it. And this is what Genesis 24, 1 says. As a result of Abraham's belief, Abraham was blessed in all things. He didn't just have a baby, he was blessed in all things because the very core of having a baby produces the blessing overflow into other things. So God wants you to believe Him. God comes along. And here's the deal, we haven't got time for this, but let me just say this. They had to go through, I worked out 25 years of waiting, trying. 9,125 times it's possible that they tried to have a baby and they failed. 30 300 times they were disappointed. That's 300 months and 25 years. 300 times they were disappointed. At the end of that month, no baby, no conception, nothing. But that intrinsic belief in the God of multiplication keeps them ticking, keeps them going, keeps them believing, keeps them trying. Why is it we stop trying? Why is it we accept what the world has given us? Why do we accept what life has handed out? What God's looking for is some people who say, hey, life's been tough to me. Things have happened that I didn't want to happen and things didn't happen that I wanted to happen, but I believe in the God of multiplication. It's not just this idea of God of miracles. It's an idea that the very, the very threads of everything have been impregnated by God's theology of multiplication. Everything on the planet has been wired that way and you're no different. And so God, I ask You to bring upon me the Spirit of multiplication. I'm going after it. Even if I'm past it, I'm going after it. Does it make sense? That's what brings resilience. What brought resilience in Abraham's life is he believed that God was a God of multiplication. Why did he become the father of faith? Because he believed in the God of multiplication. Why did God choose him? Because he couldn't multiply but wanted to. And so because of time, we don't have time to talk about some of the practical things that they had to do. You have to have passion in order to multiply. You have to connect in order to multiply. There are many things that we can talk about. But I just wanna say this in closing. Before I hand over to Pastor Tony, that I believe, I know, that this message that God has given me is the reason we will get to 200 campuses. It's the reason inventions are happening. It's the reason favour is coming. It's because God looks at people that won't quit, who look to God, who believe that God says, I will bless you and I will multiply you. Be fruitful and say, wow, you know, it doesn't matter how barren the last season was. It doesn't matter how much we tried last year. We're going for it again this year. We're going after it again. And when God puts that in spirit inside of you, nothing can stop you. If we can't go through it, we'll go around it. We'll go over it. We'll go under it. And we'll even smash our way through it. Whatever it takes, that's what God puts in your spirit you get galvanised with this never quit, 
never say die. There's always a chance. I've widened my own mind when people tell me it's impossible. I don't believe you. And I wanna pray for you. This is what I sense in the room right now is this faith. And this faith is a faith of impartation. It's a faith of reception. It means that when I pray for people that are open in their spirit, you're gonna receive something, a revelation, an aha moment, a mind explosion, a spirit incarnation, a change inside of you where you start to believe in the God of multiplication, you start to put it into practice with your kids, means you don't stop sowing those seeds. Why? Because they're gonna multiply a harvest. I don't stop talking. I don't stop believing. I don't stop leading. I don't settle down. I don't accept failure. I don't accept pushback. I don't accept being smashed and bashed. I get up and go again. That's what God wants to put inside of every one of us. So what I want you to do is, if God's speaking to you, if He's not, then don't respond. But if He is, then this is your opportunity to receive something because there's a spirit of impartation in the room. And you say, Ashley, I want to be filled with that spirit of multiplication. I wanna get it. I wanna be filled with that resilience. I wanna go after it in every area of my life. And I, there are things that I'm feeling stirred as you're speaking that I wanna pray for you. That means that something's resonating. If it's resonating with you, then I want you just to stand up and I'm gonna pray for you. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward. I'm just gonna stay this stand. Say, I want you to pray for me that I'd multiply. Like Sarah, her factory was broken and God had to make a new factory. God can make new what is broken or what is old or what is yesterday. Some of the great heroes of the Bible didn't have their best years to the last quarter. But we bought the lie that the race is just for the young. No, the race is for the young, the middle-aged and the old. It's the race of life. While there's breath, the race is on. The race only ever finishes when I get to heaven. He says, there's a great cloud of witnesses watching how you run the race. So run with perseverance. What did He say about Jesus? Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame. That's that resilience because He knew that He was gonna bring forth redemption for multitudes upon multitudes across the earth. So Father, right now with every person standing, every person with their hearts open, I pray for a deposit of the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for the spirit of multiplication to come upon this congregation, upon every one of our campuses. I pray Almighty God in business, in family, in home, in finances, in health. I pray for the power of God. I pray for the impartation of a multiplication anointing on every resource, on every energy, on all things spent, on all things given, on all things aimed for, all activities, that there'll be a spirit of multiplication, a resilience, a power would come because you've ordained every person in this room to be fruitful and to multiply. We declare it in the Name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord Jesus a hand. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. 
You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.